Welcome to another episode of Remotely Effective, the show where we talk about working from home and in distributed teams. Today, I'm joined by Avi Schwab. Avi's a Drupal developer. He led the formation of the board of Drupal event, uh, the Drupal Events Organizer Working Group, and he also short- serves on the leadership team of the Midwest Drupal Camp. Thanks for joining me today, Avi. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So what uh, perked my ears um, to, to reach out to you about this episode was when I heard that Midwest Drupal Camp, uh, which has historically been an on-site physical event, decided to go virtual. And we'll, we'll dive into the logistics of that and the reasons that that decision was made later on in the episode. But before we do that, can you uh, give the listeners just a little bit of history about uh, this event, how long it's been going for, what it typically looks like as a physical on-site conference? Sure, absolutely. So yeah, Midwest, uh, the Midcamp is what we call the, the Midwest Drupal Camp. Um, they were in our seventh year this year for 2020. Um, and uh, yeah, so the goal is to just bring together Drupal and Drupal adjacent folks. Um, we, we generally focus on developer things, but we also have design talks, we have project managers, we have um, all, all sorts of different um, different kind of folks come together to to be together, to talk about Drupal, to get training, to do contribution, and to just build the Drupal community. So we generally um, have around 220 folks in person uh, for our four-day event. Um, we hold it at the DePaul University campus up on the north side of Chicago. Uh, and so we normally have normally have uh, a day of paid trainings and contribution and then two days of sessions and then uh, a final day of contribution work. Um, and so for those who aren't familiar with Drupal, it's an open source project. Um, we, you know, we really try to focus both on knowledge sharing and on contributing back to, to the project. So um, in addition to, to sharing what we've learned through the sessions, um, we have these contrib days where, where folks come in and work on different initiatives um, whether that's code or documentation or teaching folks um, how to contribute, um, it's a really big part of what we do too. Awesome, awesome. And uh, just for a little bit uh, more background on Drupal for the listeners, can you list off any other open source projects or, or, or software that people may have heard of if they haven't heard of Drupal? Yeah, I mean, so Drupal is a is an open source content management system. Um, if you're familiar with like WordPress, it's a you know it's a very similar idea. Um, Drupal, you know, my pitch for Drupal is um, WordPress is is a really good platform for getting words out there and and, and building a really um, nice site with a pretty low overhead. Drupal is really good at doing heavy lifting in a content management space. So uh, if you're in enterprise, if you need to do lots of integrations, if you need lots of kind of custom custom theme development, custom coding, um, Drupal is both the, the content management system and the framework for, for putting a lot of those pieces together. 
Awesome. Awesome. And I think that's definitely, definitely a great summary. And I will have links in the show notes for anyone that's interested in, in checking out Drupal more. Uh, the place to go is, is generally just head to drupal.org and that's a great place to dive in. But again, links and show notes for, for anyone that is interested. So back to the mid camp side of things. Um, uh, th- as you mentioned, this has been a physical event at a central location for the last seven years, I believe you said, or was this your seventh year? This is our seventh year. Yeah. Okay. This was your seventh year. Okay. So the previous six events that were, uh, you know, a physical, physical location. And I think maybe for people who are listening to this right now or shortly after it's published, it may be obvious why this was going virtual, but maybe for someone who is listening to this down the road, can you talk about what led to the decision to make this a virtual conference this year? Sure. So, um, yeah, we're we are at the moment in the middle of a global pandemic, uh, which is upending everything in the world. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so as um, as we kind of learned about um, the coronavirus, COVID nineteen stuff um, over the past few weeks, it became increasingly obvious that our event was was not was going to be challenged in some way. And, um, and so, you know, conversations in the U S were slow to start and January was pretty quiet and February was like, yeah, there were some things going on other places in the country. Um, our, our event was planned to take place, um, March 18th through the 21st. And so around the end of February, um, you know, things started picking up in the U.S. with regard to the the pandemic, and um, and we started getting questions. You know, first a few questions from people who were traveling further from further away. Um, we generally have uh, a, a pretty good Midwest area um, audience, but uh, um, 10, 20 percent of of folks come from further away, East Coast, West Coast, um, overseas, and so kind of started as um, you know, folks who are going to be traveling a little bit further, we're, we're sending us some questions, uh, a couple speakers, um, you know, wondering what our plans were, what was going on, um, then a couple cancellations, a couple, um, a couple sponsors asking questions. And so it was pretty clear at the end of February that, that we needed to, um, reconsider our options, um. And so we we um, we had a number of conversations throughout kind of the last week of February, first week in March, um, and um, and you know literally every day um, at that point things were changing. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so so we um, we had a meeting of the leadership team. Uh, there were five of us, and we kind of went through our options. Um, so. Uh, at that point, there were um, there was still a slight possibility that we, you know, we thought we might be able to keep the in-person event. Um, a couple other events uh, who were close to the same time did that, um, but that ended up not being possible at all. Uh, so we con- we considered, um, you know, keeping the same time with a virtual event. We considered uh, postponing the event altogether or canceling it, um, and uh, you know. It seemed it seemed like if we could do it, 
that keeping, you know, keeping the schedule exactly as it was would have, you know, would be the easiest thing to do. And being technology folks and having lots of tools at our disposal, we decided to kind of dive headfirst into producing a virtual event for the first time ever. And, uh, and so we made that decision. We got the information out to speakers and attendees, and there was a whole kind of cascade of effects um, from there. But In- Interesting. Uh, if, if I may just interrupt you yeah. here, was there ever any consideration on canceling the event altogether just to be, be candid? Yeah. Um, or was it okay? No, absolutely. And- uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we definitely considered it, um, especially given the fact that you know, people's jobs were up in the air, people's homes, every, everything was kind of in flux at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, we made the decision to, to go forward just because, um, you know, I, I think we, we kind of came to the consensus that we, we had the tools to be able to do this. Um, but also just, you know, the sheer fact we're a volunteer led event, we're really relatively small kind of um, production values. So it's, if, if we were to cancel the event, there'd be a lot of, um, you know, we, it, it would, it would be a big hill to climb a, a lot bigger hill to climb to, to kind of keep it going for next year. So we wanted to yeah. maintain as much of that momentum as we had. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping that momentum going is definitely huge when you're in a volunteer led effort like this. And as someone who's it's been a part of, you know, um, actually Drupal camps in, in the past and uh, other volunteer related conferences as well. Um, it definitely makes a difference to have that recurring event every year, even if you have to change it up like you did this year. Um, definitely, I think I think it was a it was a really cool decision that y'all made, though. I, I, I'm sure it was a huge, uh, huge amount of effort on the leadership team's part and any any of the volunteers involved. And so, on on that note, um, how did how did you pull this off? How did you do a, a virtual conference? Yeah. Um, I mean, it was, so, so like I said, we, we made the decision pretty early on to maintain our schedule as it was. Um, so we, you know, all of our speakers are, are volunteers. Um, and, and we, um, you know, we already had the whole schedule made. We already had everybody slotted in. We had our speakers confirmed. And so um, one of the, I, I think one of the things that helped us, pivot this so easily was that, you know, we tried to keep as much the same as possible. Um, so we literally, um, we, we discussed um, possibilities of, of how to implement this, but uh, we, you know, we started that pivot nine days before the event. So um, I, um, I made some decisions to, to lock things down as much as possible and, and really try to focus on tools that we were familiar with instead of investigating new options. Um, and, you know, pretty much everybody in, you know, uh, at least on our team, and I think, I think across the industry is familiar with Zoom. Uh, and we, we also had somebody um, on the team who was willing, who was able to give us some accounts. Um, and so that made, made the conversation really easy. Um, we created a Zoom room, a, a Zoom account for each physical room that we had. Uh, we put links to those Zooms on the website where the you know, where the schedule information was. 
and we went from there. Um, there was a lot of conversation um, prepping the speakers, rearranging how our volunteering was going to work. Um, but uh, but like I said, I I think the biggest the the biggest um, the biggest win we had was was just saying we're going to keep as much as we can as is. And that really that really helps reduce the load on on the organizing team. Yeah, yeah. Rather than reinvent the the conference altogether, yeah. um, basically poured it poured it to be online, which is definitely very interesting. Were there any? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's very different when you're you know you have Zoom rooms versus physical rooms. It's mm-hmm. you know the the logistics of that are are different. But were there any? Uh, comprom- compromises that you had to make where there were tough calls of having to um, forego uh, one thing or another in in um, making it go online? Or was it was the decision, um, I shouldn't say easy, because I know that logistically this is, this is quite a, a difficult undertaking, but were there things that, yeah, were there things that were, were difficult to, um, to decide whether or not to drop or to try and keep in, in some way when going virtual? Yeah. I mean, there were, there were definitely some things that we just decided to, um, to call off. Um, so normally, like I said, we have Wednesday, uh, Wednesday is, is summit and paid trainings and contribution day, Thursday and Friday is sessions and Friday or and Saturday is a, a good trip day. Um, we just decided to cancel Wednesday altogether. Um, so we had a number of, we had four paid trainings uh, and then um, a, uh, a business leaders summit um, that was, that's open to our sponsors um, that we just decided um, wouldn't, wouldn't work in the virtual format. Um, the Business Leader Summit is something that we started last year, and it's a really interesting, um, kind of like closed door conversation uh, among a bunch of our sponsors. Um, and obviously, that was that would have been a lot harder to implement um, uh, with with Zoom. And I think just getting people in that room would have been really challenging. Um, yeah. Uh, the same with the with the full day trainings um, because everything was so up in the air we were really not sure how um you know how a full day training course would translate to to a 100% remote um you know screen fatigue is a real thing and uh and the trainers you know would have had to do a lot of work to change their format i think um so so all of those things um got dropped and it's un- it's unfortunate cuz those those trainings are really great ways for people to to kind of dig into to some some great topics but yeah especially for newcomers to conferences at least in in my past experiences with uh camps and regional conferences like this people that are looking to dive into uh maybe an an area they're completely new to or get rapidly up to speed on uh, a new topic within that they're definitely beneficial, but I totally get, um, the difficulty there. Cause you know, uh, these, you know, prof- I'll say professional trainers that a lot of times put on these, these, uh, workshops, mm-hmm. you know, at, work a lot on the curriculum and don't have doing it online in mind. You know, right. It's, it's quite different. Yeah. So we were able to run two like half day training sessions. Um, on Thursday, we had a intro Drupal session um, that uh, that David Needham uh, from Pantheon ran, and that was really 
um, I, I think that was a really great way uh, for for some folks to get started with with Drupal 8 and, and kind of learn some yeah. of those things. Um, and then we had a speaker diversity workshop that uh, that we ran on uh, on Friday, and uh, that was uh, Kimana and. Yeah, Kimana and Amy June um, from uh, Kimana from Nerdery and Amy June from Canopy did a speaker diversity workshop, and so both of those um, we were still able to pull off, and and I think they were really great resources for folks. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean the other things that we that we kind of had to change up. Um, we normally have social events in the evenings. Um, we have a game night, um, and uh, and so there was. There were there were some really interesting pivots um, trying to figure out how to how to kind of keep people engaged for the rest of you know the time that they weren't in sessions because part of part of the idea of having a conference is is to to make more space for these ad hoc conversations the like hallway track that we call it um, yeah yeah so what was the engagement like in those after hours more social events like do you feel like that was successful doing those remote yeah it was it was a mixed bag um but i I think mostly because it's so you know being in a different space it's a lot easier to kind of maintain your focus and maintain the kind of separation between like you know I'm at a conference, so so now I can do these things. Whereas when you're when you're doing something remote, uh, as as I'm sure you and and your listeners know, it's it's a lot easier to um, to get distracted to 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 kind of move in and out of of the the mind space that you're in. So, um, but with that said, uh, both the game night and the movie night were a lot of fun, and we got a lot of people involved. Um, uh, Doug uh, and John um, from our team—they organized uh, some really, some really cool stuff for the game night. Um, they found the site Board Game Arena, and we were able to um, like host online board games. Um, and so we hooked that up. Wow, that's really Discord. interesting. Yeah, and John, John is like a super board game geek, and. Uh, and uh, yeah, put a lot of these pieces together. So, so we had board games and Discord and people kind of chatting and live streaming their games, and uh, and that was there was a it was a lot of fun. Um, there were board games. There were we played some Xbox. There were people just kind of hanging out and chatting on Discord. There were some people who just joined to watch the other games. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is a big thing. I've heard. I've heard of people yeah. streaming tabletop games on Twitch and stuff like that. Yeah, that was that was uh, really super neat. interesting to do as a after hours event for a conference, definitely. Yeah. And then yeah, the the next night um we we kind of did a mix of like uh there's Netflix party which kind of just came out uh where you can watch Netflix movies and have a little chat room. Uh and there were also a couple um we found some some uh like public domain movies. And so I, we were, we were talking about this the other day in our retro and, and I was, I was, I was thinking for next year, we could do like a big camp science theater 3000 kind of thing, <laughs> uh, you know, show, uh, show, show some movies and have people on zoom and just like make it a fun, like, you know, cracking up at, at movies, yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, old, old crazy movies. 
That that sounds like a really uh, interesting. It's interesting solution to to that. I I I don't. I hadn't actually heard of that uh, um, that new Netflix. Is that a Netflix feature? Is that an external service that can like sync up the timeline? Do you know? That's a I good can link to it in the show notes. Either way, I'll link yeah, to it in the I, show notes. I think it's an official thing, but then there's like a Chrome plugin, um, and so it hooks the chat room up with yeah up with the movie and oh no, it's totally an independent thing. It looks like. Yeah, so it probably syncs the time code or whatever um, in some way, I I assume. Um, Yeah, well, I'll link to that in the show notes. um, So, yeah. As well. Yeah, so those after hours things were fun, but uh, we we did struggle a little bit. We had like a hallway track Zoom. Uh, We had some kind of like uh, Slack rooms for uh, for people to engage in conversations between sessions. but I think we we kind of we ended up with a little bit of like tool fatigue. Um, that was some of the feedback that we got. That there were just there were a lot of things that we put out there, and um, and it was uh, a little bit unclear like where folks should be when and where the conversations were going on. So I think if we were to do this again, that that's something that we would focus on is really trying to focus the experience and make sure that. Um, we're not giving people too many options when we're when we're like trying to come up with the right tools. Yeah, it it, it definitely uh, can be easy to get information overload. Um, I've experienced similar things like that when like joining a new team at a company and you get like the long list of services and software that you have to sign up for. Um, it's definitely definitely a thing. Um, so one on the tool front, I'm curious. Uh, uh, I see that you used both Slack and Discord. What was Discord used for specifically for? Was that for uh, vo- voice um, rooms, basically for the for the games, and the rest of the conversation was kept in Slack related to the conference? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we we originally, um, yeah, we had, we had planned for all of the kind of session conversation to be on Slack and then for Discord to be like a tool specifically for the game night. Um, we, like in the future, it might be interesting to to reconsider that. Um, I know, you know, I wasn't super familiar with Discord's voice chat, um, but one of the things that we found is that, um, you know, Slack call, so we have a paid Slack group for, Slack team for, um, for Midcamp, and so we're able to do Slack calls, but people don't really aren't always familiar with Slack calls. And the Zoom rooms were either occupied or there were kind of too many people in them for for kind of more ad hoc conversations. And I think Discord could be a really interesting option um, for kind of facilitating ad hoc conversations um, like throughout the day, as opposed to just um, people you know talking about board games. Um, so. So, you know, Slack also, or uh, Zoom also has a concept of breakout rooms, um, but the breakout rooms are like very specifically focused for a host to break people out into separate rooms. It's very much made for like a classroom setting, I think, where, where you know, you have a topic and you, um, you go out into rooms and discuss it and then you come back and actually, um, yes. so Nerd Summit um, is another camp that was going on at the same time. They're like, 
Drupal adjacent. Um, they do they do a lot of other um, have a lot of other a lot of other topics too. But um, Kelly Albrecht, one of their organizers, uh, did this during their camp. Um, they had a they had a little hallway uh, like networking coffee and networking or something. And uh, and so Kelly would like ask a question, and then break people out into the rooms and have them you know talk for a few minutes, uh, and then come back. And that that seemed like a really interesting idea that uh, that we could you know help help try and recreate some of that um, you know just the random connections that you, that happen when you're yeah in a physical space together. Yeah, that hallway track that you mentioned is definitely one of the biggest biggest benefits of attending a conference like this. So it's definitely really cool to hear that um, the tools that you picked out provided avenues to do this in in different ways. Like I didn't even I didn't know that Zoom even had had that feature. I hadn't, I hadn't heard about that before. So that's it's definitely cool to see that a lot of these tools have, have started building in things that even if they weren't designed for a conference, we're familiar with them, and uh, we can leverage those features in different ways to organize a conference like this. So definitely definitely really cool. So. Um, on a more uh, like stats side of things, do you feel like engagement was good overall um, between you know from the the actual conference attendance to the after hours stuff? Can you run down some of those numbers for us? Yeah, totally. Um, one of the kind of big benefits that we had, um, we we were really lucky in that um, we didn't we we weren't out a lot of deposits. Um, in, in changing our venue. And so um, we made the decision early on to, to, as we were pivoting to virtual, to make mid-camp this year completely free, um, just because we didn't, we didn't have any idea how we were going to implement any of the virtual things. And we, we had the financial flexibility to do that. Um, so we did a lot of work when we made that pivot, um, publicizing that and, and trying to get the word out. So, um, you know, we just, we put it on all the slacks and all the socials and yeah. we're just like, everybody in the world can come to our sessions. And so, um, I think we, we did pretty well, um, considering that. So we, um, we tallied like between, we're, we're still kind of formalizing the numbers. Um, but there were over 3000 like zoom sessions. So that's like, somebody sitting down in a room basically um not necessarily unique people but uh there were yes. there were over 3000 like um room sessions um to call it uh so we also um and we were we're we're, we're still working on figuring out the uniques but um we were estimating around 230 um at a time we, so so we counted uh we did counts kind of throughout each session in the rooms and the, the mm-hmm. kind of same simultaneous uh, participants we had was around two thirty, which is, um, which is great. Cause normally we have, like I said, normally we sell around 220 tickets. Um, and that results in a hundred and I don't know, 150, 160 people each day uh, at the conference. You know, some people don't come for both days. Uh, and so that was definitely up. Um, from the number of the number of people that we've had uh, in person, yes, um, and even when you do in person, 
all of those people aren't attending every session most exactly. of the time. You might have people that skip a session here or there for whatever reason. So that I, I definitely think that that's that's a really really good number for for the that peak simultaneous yeah. you mentioned. Yeah, um, that was that was really cool. Um, in addition to that, we did um, recordings. Um, if uh, if folks who are listening don't know, um, Kevin Thull uh, is one of our organizers, and he runs the Drupal Recording Initiative. Uh, he's spent the last many years um, with with his mission to be recording, documenting as many Drupal events as possible, and so. Um, you know, with with Kevin uh, helping out, we were able to record um, all of the sessions that we had. Um, so that was that was with the help of a lot of volunteers and all the Zoom rooms doing local recordings, um, uploading them to Slack, and then uh, Kevin processing them. Um, and so we had like. T- 1,086 minutes of recordings um, that are also going to have live uh, human professional captions um, afterwards. So we we contracted with a, a company called ACS Captions and um, got captioners into you know to all the rooms for the live events, um, and then those are also going to be up on the videos as well. Um, so that's oh a, wow, a, that's incredible! That's incredible! Yeah. What an yeah, undertaking so- too. Um, and uh, just just a quick mention, I will link to wherever those recordings are posted in the show notes. And for anyone interested, even if you know if you're a listener out there, you're like, well, I don't do Drupal. A lot of times at Drupal camps, there are generalist web development related stuff or stuff related to other aspects of agencies or project management yeah. things like that. So definitely check those out, um, even if you're not into the Drupal side of stuff. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just scrolling through the list now. There's, there's UX talks. Um, there's business development. Uh, there's general like project management estimation, um, react native, um, native apps, uh, stuff about agile component libraries. So, so there are tons and tons of talks that, that are very, like very much Drupal adjacent, um, and, and very much, uh, related to the work that we do day to day as Drupal developers, but but pretty wide base of of talks. Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, and to dive into more of the the Drupal aspect of this, actually, um, or I guess it's more related to the the aspect of the Drupal project being a um, you know completely distributed open source project anyone can file a patch for the project and it you know uh, you know it's completely open open source gpl licensed all that good stuff um what was your uh first time contra- contributors training uh like how did how did that go and and for anyone that that um, is listening that may not be aware many times drupal camps and other um open source related uh, projects will have uh, training uh, sessions of a sort or a special um, a day dedicated to contributing to the open source project and uh, have people or time dedicated to onboarding newcomers who have not contributed to the project before. So can you talk about how that worked in a virtual s- setting, Avi? 
Yeah. Um, so I wasn't uh, I wasn't in the workshop the whole time, but I was able to to pop my head in a couple times and see. And um, so Amy June Heinlein, um, who who's at Canopy uh, right now, she um, she's been a really great asset to the community and in, in helping onboard new contributors. And she um, she has a very much non technical background, um, but she's really kind of dived into Drupal and, uh, and and has made it her mission to, to help bring in as many new people as possible. And so she, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's both to kind of bring people into Drupal land, but, but also I, I think more to help people transition from that, like I use Drupal to I make Drupal and, um, you know, uh, being able to say I make Drupal seems like a really kind of daunting thing. Um, but the, the contributor workshop is really about kind of making, doing our best to, to lower that, uh, that threshold for folks and to be able to say, you know, you don't need to be a super like object oriented PHP backend developer to contribute to Drupal. Um, and so she takes folks through, um, through the issue queues, through kind of being able to search for for issues and and figure out um, where you can be useful, then kind of diving into some specific tickets and um, and talking through the process of um, of how to um, you know how to figure out where to start, how to understand the problem, and then um, you know how to actually submit a patch. Uh, how to how to make sure you're you're setting you know uh, setting the issue up the the your response up in the right way um, and so and at the end of the the session the goal is always to have a couple people um, with uh, you know new patches that they've contributed through to Drupal so I think uh, I think she had two patches that were approved um, by the end of the session and and two official new Drupal contributors. Well, that is that is so cool. And uh, for anyone out there that's that's not not familiar with the sort of workflow that that happens on, on Drupal.org, getting two two patches um, uh, approved, you know, within uh, the time frame of the session is definitely a, a a great great feat. So big shout out to to Amy June um, for putting that on. And uh, for all those that attended and you know submitted patches and, and learned learned the the workflow, it definitely sounds like it 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 was uh, um, beneficial for sure. Yeah. So um, from a a more like to to step back from a more high level uh, perspective, what do you think are your biggest uh, wins um, for? um, going virtual for this. Is there any, is there anything you feel like, um, that was, you know, a win over, over going physical, not necessarily if you're going to go virtual, uh, again, <laughs> not, not asking that, but, uh, probably a bit early. Um, but yeah, what, what were your biggest, biggest wins, wins out of doing this? I mean, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think, I think from a, from a high level perspective, um, we kept our event going and we were able to, to do yeah. an event without, uh, without endangering people. Um, yeah, <laughs> love, that it. Was, uh, love it. That was, you know, that was, that was really fantastic. Um, just being able to, you know, we, we were kind of, I, I think just 
by circumstance, one of the first events in in our community, at least, to 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 go with the totally online format. And um, you know, like I said, it was it was totally up in the air as to how everything was going to work. And um, we we have a team of eighteen people on our organizing team um, that uh, that really all came together to to pull it off. So that was that was huge. Um, and you know we've been lucky enough to to be able to share that knowledge with others. Um, so I've had a couple other podcasts. I've had conversations with a, a number of other folks just this week um, who are doing other tech conferences who are who are trying to figure life out. And so um, I'm I'm really excited to be able to share um, share our successes and our and our you know and and the things we learned, the things we would do differently with with other people. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing was we, we made it happen and we were able to to hang out with everybody to share all this knowledge and to just like, you know, and also frankly, to, to give people something, you know, to, to keep us all moving when life is a little bit crazy. Yeah. And that can't, that can't be undersold. I think, um, yeah, I, I, I completely completely uh as an outsider I, I i agree and i think think it is great that you were still able to to put it on and that the you know the team was able to to make it happen um so if you had to do it uh again is there anything that you would do different differently with you know hindsight's 2020 um not necessarily that what you feel like went bad, but just hey, we could do this differently if we had to do it again in the future or chose to yeah. do it again. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, we 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 really only had a couple like actual issues, you know, a couple te- Zoom technicalities, a couple website kind of technical issues, but in general, yeah, I, I think um, yeah, I, I, the the biggest feedback that we've gotten and the biggest thing kind of we all saw as organizers was was you know we pulled off the sessions really well and I think I, I think a lot due to the fact that our industry is kind of familiar with these tools already um, we were the, the sessions were not easy but the sessions transitioned really well to the format but like I said. Um, Doing, trying to figure out the ad hoc engagement piece, and and really kind of being able to to make it feel more conferency as opposed to just like watching some sessions in your home office um, is is the biggest the biggest thing that I think we would we would put more work into. Um, Interesting. Again, that's really, yeah. Uh, so, have you come up with any ideas, even just out of the the existing tools that you use? I know you mentioned Discord, uh, having um, uh, I forget what it calls them, basically voice rooms that you can join. Um, are you yeah. considering using tools at least similar to that for things, or is there there are other stuff you've considered as well? I mean, if we were if we were to do it all over, um, you know, a virtual conference, um, I would definitely spend some more time investigating the other tools that are out there. Um, you know, uh, like I said, we we had very short amount of time to to kind of figure all this out, and there are definitely tools that that um, you know, Cradcast is one that I've talked about uh, with a number of folks lately. Um, uh, there there are other kind of more kind of broadly focused conference organizing, like virtual yes. conference organizing tools. And I think, you know, in the next 
many months, uh, there are going to be even more of those. So it'll be really interesting to see how that conversation changes, um, you know, as the world. Yes, uh, as evolves. as um, more uh, technical solutions come out come out for that. But uh, I I still think it it was a really um, uh, I don't I don't know how to say it, but I um, other than I totally get it as someone who's been involved in in organizing events in the past of going with tools that you know you know are familiar with and know the ins and outs of and know that your a lot of your attendees are going to be familiar with is definitely um, better than picking a tool that maybe can do a little bit more but you're you're going to stumble around with. Um, so right. definitely, uh, uh, I think, a, a wise decision on the, uh, again, you know, as an outsider, um, uh, definitely a wise decision, um, on the team's yeah. part. And I know that as technical people, sometimes we can get attempted to like try out the new whiz bang thing or the fancy software, mm-hmm. but sometimes we, it's, it's good to just go with what we know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and kind of on that, uh, you know, diving into things i think the other the other thing that i think was was challenging was just uh you know i know um we we all struggle with burnout we um we've we've struggled in the past with um kind of burning folks out on our team um and you know i one of my kind of big concerns leading this was was we pushed we pushed a lot of people really hard in a really hard time in the world and life and everything and so um, I know we've we've had uh, you know we've had some burnout on the team and it's um, it's really challenging to deal with and, and kind of um, you know make sure that we're taking care of of everybody as as people um, in addition to you know volunteers organizers etc. So yeah, um, can't can't agree more. Yeah, that's so important in um, not not just volunteer communities. You know, obviously, as in our in our in teams that we're employed with, it's important to look out for people's health. But when when people are are using the extra that they have left over after the workday, it's it's even more you know um, important that. We we be mindful of uh, how much time we're taking, the emotional toll that decisions have on on individuals and and all that, for sure. Yeah. So uh, I think the last question I have for you today is: Does your team uh, have y'all discussed possibly doing this uh, in the future at some point? Not necessarily as a replacement to midcamp but as maybe a supplement to it or any any other type of virtual event um we if 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 we have more folks who would like to join the team and take on that challenge i would love to help support it um we we have not uh we haven't discussed doing it as an additional event yeah Um, the biggest thing that we've talked about is is taking the tools that we use this year and rolling them into a, a hybrid event for the future. Um, and so, you know, we've, we've talked about the possibilities of that in the past, but we've just never had the impetus to, to put in that extra work because it is, you know, it's, it's having a hybrid event is, is a big challenge. And I think um, just talking from a remote kind of context um, uh, in my experience, remote, work and remote experiences are a lot 
better when everybody's on the same level. I so agree. You know, every remote kind of work context, uh, work situation that I've had, uh, where it's mixed, you know, having some people in a conference room and some people on computers is is really hard. Um, whereas when everybody's in front of their computer at a totally different place, um, or even some of the early midcamp meetings, we actually had uh, like we had IRL meetings, um, but all of us would sit in front of our laptops around a conference table with our headphones on, so that the people who were on the phone, you know, on on the call could. Kind yep, of- I've been there. I've I've uh, been there many many times in in yeah. previous previous positions. <laughs> so so, but I think you know, I, I think there's still there's still a lot of value in getting humans together in a physical space when it is safe. Um, and so we're, we're going to do as much as we can to, to make sure for next year, we're enabling both remote attendees and remote speakers, um, while still, um, keeping that character of the, the physical event. Yeah. So what would, uh, a hybrid event look like in this context, you think? I mean, obviously we're, we're talking about hypotheticals here, but are there any specifics that have been been thrown out? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've um, we've been we've been discussing options, but like I said, um, just like with remote work, if we were able to extend our call for speakers to anybody in the world, um, yeah, you know, and and yeah, and firstly, anybody in the world who wanted to speak. Um, live when we are doing things so you know that's a lot harder for somebody in um you know japan or australia than it is for somebody in europe um but uh but there are options for recording there are options for for kind of pre-prepared talks um so i think i think being able to expand that speaker base would really um give us give us a much uh broader um range of, of topics and, and potential speakers, but then also um, being able to stream the talks uh, out to anybody in the world so that, you know, so that our, our butts in seats limit was, was not a factor. And we could have, you know, whether that's our room of 60 seats is full, we can have people sitting in another room watching the talk or it's, um, you know, somebody in another part of the world can still engage with this conference as it's going on. Um, I think there's there's benefit all across the board there. Yeah, the the overflow room um, in the in like a physical space isn't something that I I thought about as a a nice side effect of going with some virtual tools for this. That's definitely definitely really interesting. Yeah, but I mean, we our our regular our, our venue rooms top out at. 50 or 60 seats in the biggest one we definitely had talks uh this year that that were over 100 attendees uh at a time so that was was really nice to not have to deal with like cramming into the hallways to try and hear a talk yeah yeah um and that does that does happen at uh you know camps and conferences like this for sure well thank you so much avi uh it's great to hear about how things went at mid camp this year. And I hope that, um, I hope that you don't have to do this next year. If you, you know, you choose to, I really hope that life has smoothed out long, long before, long before then, but really enjoyed this conversation and hearing how, uh, things went overall. Where can people find you online? 
Yeah. Um, so on Twitter, I'm AJ Schwab. Uh, I'm Froboy pretty much everywhere else on GitHub, Drupal.org. Uh, Froboy.org is my website. Uh, we're also going to have lots more information on Midcamp, uh, some retro notes and links to things on Midcamp.org. Uh, and that's Midwest Camp on Twitter. And I'm also, I've been on a couple other podcasts this week talking about camp, uh, Drupal Easy and Talking Drupal. So look out for those episodes coming soon too. Yes. And I will link to all of those things in the show notes as usual. Uh, once again, my name is Thomas Lattimore. You can find me on Twitter at T Lattimore. That's Twitter at T Lattimore or thomaslattimore.com. Thank you for once again, joining me on this episode of Remotely Effective. Talk to you all next time.